Recovery Greenhouse is a podcast dedicated to growth of ideas, concepts, and outlooks that support recovery and recovering communities. I'm Gerald Lott, your host and a person in long-term recovery. I'm also the founder and executive director of Sog Valley Voices of Recovery, a recovery community organization serving Northwest Illinois. I'm a certified recovery support specialist. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a father. After a long list of careers, including the music business, which I'm sure we're gonna talk about in a moment, I found my calling in helping others find recovery. I work with many, many people and several addiction-related advisory boards every day. My core belief is that people must make an effort to change their lives for recovery. The saying, no pain, no gain is exactly correct. A person cannot experience significant life changes without enduring, accepting, and often welcoming discomfort. It isn't the change that hurts, it's our resistance to it. Today, my guest is a guy I met recently, We and, and I will make a disclosure. His company, ERP Health, is a vendor for my organization, and um, I feel like uh, the two organizations are friends of the family. And so, uh, you know, if this is a commercial for ERP Health, then so it is, whatever, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and if not, then it ain't. But you know, sponsored by EO. <laughs> sponsored by. But um, but it's Jordan Meyer. Uh, Jordan is the regional VP of growth for ERP Health, and he's somebody in long-term recovery. What's happening, Jordan? What's going on, Gerald? I I was very stoked to connect with you last week in Baltimore, man. Uh, just great conversations, great laughs. You know, uh, deep conversations, man. I, like, um it's not very often I connect with somebody and like immediately can consider them a friend and confidant and immediately felt that way with you. So I, I appreciate the person that you are and, and the comfort level that you brought to me in, in that trip and, you know, in, in future endeavors that we're going to be working together and just living together and being friends, man. So absolutely. Absolutely. So, so just for, for the, the sake of, uh, the sake of our audience, uh, we went to dinner with this like kind of, uh, I would I would say he was a pretty uh, upright guy, a lobbyist for you know big big time guy, and uh, me and George are just laughing and, and talking shit about excuse me oops I'm not supposed to say bad words talking about like heroin use and smoking crack behind dumpsters and stuff and you know and and like being the loudest thing in the restaurant but man what a blast man love you love you so um. You know, who are you, man? Tell, tell everybody who you are. What's, what's the deal with you, man? Man, I'm Jordan Myers. I'm 31 years old. Uh, I'm from South Florida, born and raised, still here. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not well-traveled. I've uh, been all over the world. I'm missing about two states. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to guess. Which ones do you think I'm missing? North Dakota. And Rhode Island. Oh, you were so close. What? Man, everyone always says Alaska and Hawaii. It's North Dakota and Alaska. Those are the two that I'm missing. But that's, I was so excited hoping you would get it. <laughs> nobody, so nobody goes to North Dakota. People in North Dakota don't even go to North Dakota. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm going to plan a trip there soon, though, like a weekend, just so I could cross it off the list. Right, right. Just put your foot in. Yeah, I've been here, now I'm out, you know. But you know, the interesting thing is, man, last year for our recovery event, 
um, we got a, uh, a video from the first lady of North Dakota, who is amazing in the recovery friendly workplace space, man. She wow. has pushed. Yeah. North Dakota's leading the way on that, man. They're, they're big. And, and it's all because of her. Yeah, all Very, like all 37 people that live there, right? Yeah. Right, right. Well, it ain't hard, right? <laughs> it ain't, I hope she don't hear this. <laughs> oh. But no, it was really cool. But um, yeah, I, I I I don't know why I picked North Dakota, but right on. But so 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 you know, like I said, we talked about using in the past, you know, what what's your you know, in in, in 30 seconds, what's your journey, man? Uh you know. My journey, the way that I tell my story is a bit different than way, the way that you hear war stories or qualifying events in, 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 a, in like a, maybe a 12-step based meeting or something like that. But, uh, you know, mine really starts uh, early, early age when I was a kid. You know, my parents got divorced when I was two. I uh, got diagnosed with ADD and depression when I was eight and put on medication the medication kind of made me feel kind of weird, got made fun of a lot in school, bullied a bit, found a, a, a substances, you know, like uh, gradually, um, I think eighth grade is the first time I took a drink, you know, and then high school, it was like, you know, pay the local cool guy to go to the gas station, you know, 20 bucks, get you a six pack of beer or whatever. Grow, grew from there, smoking weed on the weekends, grew from there, went away to college, discovered a whole world of other drugs, um, right, right. you know, quickly realized I, college wasn't going to be for me. I just wanted to party all day, every day. Um, as you've mentioned, I'm a musician. I've been in the music industry, um, kind of took that to life around that time of my life, left college, started touring full time. And for about like four or five years, it was just like never really being home, kind of, you know, all over the world. Right. So, um, so and just, and just let's, let's don't, let's don't take the, miss the opportunity to, you know, self promote. So where could people hear you playing drums on YouTube? What do they got to look up? You know, I don't really have a good YouTube channel. It's something I want to get into, but on Instagram, I use Instagram and it's just at, Jordan Myers, that's J-O-R-D-A-N-M-E-Y-E-R-S. Um, you know, my profile's private, though, so if you look creepy, I probably won't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what kind of music, man? Everything, everything. I, uh, I, I grew up, you know, like a lot of kids in the early 90s, so I'm 31 years old, right? So early 90s, I'm listening to, uh, you know, boy bands, Backstreet Boys and Sing crap like that my mom got me into good music too i was listening to like james taylor and you know my dad got me into like foreigners and rock bands and stuff but um really like middle school started listening to punk rock blink 182 good charlotte stuff like that and that's when i started touring it was like on the warp tour which was the longest traveling punk rock festival in the united states it went about 25 years hit almost every major city in america every summer Uh, 60 bands, seven stages, just like the place to be when you're a kid in the summer, you know? And um, so punk rock is like where my heart is, but man, I'll play, I'll play jazz. I learned jazz, studied jazz in in high school and college a little bit. Um, You know, family, family members played jazz music. I got, uh, 
I got a big heart for like R and B music, you know. Right on, right on. You know. So I'll tell you, man. I was I was sitting in I was in line at Walmart today, man. And uh, you know, I live in in this little rural town, and and I'm in line, and all of a sudden they start playing some Aretha Franklin over the you know over the thing, and I'm just like grooving out, and everybody in line is like kind of like, what's with this dude? I was just <laughs> man, I'm into it, right? You know? Yeah. But uh. So, so you talk about that warp tour, man. That had to be. Were you sober on the warp tour, or, or you know what's funny is that's uh, that tour. I say ruined my life, but it really saved my life in a sense. It was I had to wait for time to catch up for my life to be saved, if you will. Uh-huh. But that tour tore me apart. Uh, that you know, that's a tour where like you wake up at like seven in the morning and you go to production and they hand you two cases of beer and one case of water and like you know what right. i mean what the fuck am i drinking all day you know so right right uh, <laughs> um drinking partying i got introduced to even more drugs on that tour and it was really because i was i was young and impressionable and i and i was so excited to be there that i just wanted to fit in any which way that i could i chameleonized myself to whoever was around me just because i wanted i i was pretty lost you know i'm a lost young kid just wanting to fit in with these guys that I've like idolized my whole life you know my heroes are turning human in front of me so I gotta I gotta keep up and I love uh, that my heroes are turning human right and uh and man it 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 destroyed me and um it took me down a real dark path you know like like I said the qualifying events man I've you know I've been I've been using drugs and dumpsters and, you know, waking up in hospitals. I've been, you know, I've been, I've been in deep, deep, dark places, but. uh, So how do you turn that around? How does, how does that, you know, I know for me, it was a day where I just got on my knees and I was like, man, God kill me or help me, but something's got to change. You know, you You know know what it was? I, uh, the pain got great. So I, I sought some help after a bit. Um, you know, and after getting that help, I didn't continue, I, I continued using some substances, um, not, not the, not the real heavy ones. And, uh, and I continued doing that for about another year until the pain got great enough again. And then I, I didn't want to use anything else, but I knew something had to change. And I was, I'm thankful that at this, t- at this time, I was running a little music venue operation in South Florida. And there was this band that always played there kind of you know a little bit older guys than me and they're all like covered in tattoos cool as shit you know just like just awesome guys always happy fun doing fun things driving nice cars wearing nice clothes and they were all sober every single one of them was sober and I'm like how how are you this fun and happy and cool and you're sober you know I'm I'm miserable man they brought me (laughs) all right they brought right. me to, they brought me to a meeting and um you know it's one of them 12 step based meetings and uh wow there it was funny because like you know I, it's funny now to think back on but i'm i'm sitting in the meeting and I, of course i shared which you know yeah everyone wants to fucking hear me right uh, first time there you got to tell them your deal right <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kicked the hard stuff a long time ago. You know, I just smoked a little weed here and there now. Like, you know, like you guys can learn a thing or two from me. You know what I mean? And, I've seen uh, things, man. I've seen I mean, things. 
everyone was just so nice and polite and they're just like yeah that's nice keep coming back keep coming back <laughs> and i'm like oh you know i will you know i got a message to share and i kept going and uh then i started shutting up and listening right, right. and when i started listening i started hearing things that resonated exactly with how i felt my entire life that had nothing to do with drugs and alcohol just right trauma that I'd been through in my life, depression that I've dealt with in my life, situational or clinical anxiety, all these things, these stories that I'm hearing from people. And I realized like, I'm not alone in this. It really has nothing to do with the drugs and alcohol at this point. It's like, you know, we're just a collective of people that have been through some fucking shit, man. And, and like, I felt at home, you know, and, uh, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to be cursing, uh, we, 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 we've crossed that bridge at this point, so let's just keep going. <laughs> um, hey, so let me, let me stop you there, though, man, because you're right on point for something. You know, when we were in, in Baltimore, and, and by the way, this guy had a, a room on the 12th floor overlooking the Orioles game, so we just sat in the room eating chicken wings and watching the game, and it was awesome. Um, but we, we were talking at that time about affinity grouping you know that's the thing that I'm, I'm really passionate about is you know like you said what brought you to a meeting was you saw those people having a great life but I don't think had you met a group of stockbrokers that you did not identify with and did not see yourself in and did not relate to you would have you would have made the same kind of ask for help, right? Right. And so, you know, I know that you were involved in like Sober Roo and some of the other things. I mean, is there a way through the punk rock scene, through music, through the things people love, that we can get to people who want to ask for help and don't know that they can go to Jordan or Gerald? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that, so that's, you know, after after years of living the miserable touring life, traveling all over the world and not being able to really tell you where the heck I've been because I was so loaded. Uh, you know, when I got sober in 2014, I realized that now I can be a voice for people that have felt the exact same way as I did in the touring community and, and, and whatnot. And after getting some, some sober time under my belt, really working on myself, um, discovering who I really am I'm still a punk rock kid at heart so that's when I started reaching back out to the people I used to tour with and saying like hey I want to come back on tour but in a whole different facet I want to come out I want to share my story on stage I want to give people hope and let them know like I don't care what you've been through it doesn't have to be substance abuse it could be body dysmorphia anxiety depression uh schizophrenia like like heavy mental health diagnoses bipolar disorder Whatever it is that you're going through, clinical or situational, I promise you there's somebody else out there that has dealt with the exact same thing as you, and you don't have to feel alone in that. You don't have right. to go through this alone. And right. I encourage others to share their story on whatever platform they wanted to. They could do it anonymously if they want to, but just give, give people a voice so that they understand that, like, that, you know, they're not the only ones, you know? That's breaking down the stigma. That's like the negative connotation behind 
any kind of adversity that people go through. And like I said, it doesn't have to be clinical. It could be my dog died. I'm fucking sad. You right. know, that's right. that happens. You know what I mean? And you could be sad for a while after that, you know, and 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 it would probably help if you talk to other people whose dogs died, you know, and, and so like that's the piece that I found in my sobriety and doing what I did. And I wanted to, you know, what was so freely given to me, give to others in any facet that I could. Doesn't have to be a 12 step meeting. Doesn't have to be substance abuse. Doesn't have to be one thing or the other. What was the take rate out there on those tours when you, when you spoke or when you were able to interface or when you were able to put a tent together of sober people in the middle of a festival, you know, how many people came up? What was it like? Sometimes it'd be me and two people. Right. And then sometimes it'd be me and like 400 people. And we're sitting there in, in a room and it's just one person shares and then like, you know, and then that's it. And then it's over because there's 400 people there. What are you going to do? Go around the room. So uh, it, it, it depends, man. All you need truly like the definition of a meeting is you and one other person. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Um, but you know, the thing is like you, you, You've got these meetings and, and you know, my issue, and, and believe me, I'll be the first to tell you, 12 steps saved my life, sure. hands down, right? Same. Many times, right? Not even, like, not just once, <laughs> over and over again, saved my life. But I know that when I first came in, I was going to a dozen meetings a week, right? I'm hanging on to the tables, like like it's the side of a mountain and I'm gonna fall, right? But after about three years or so, I started to pull back. I started to get the, I don't need to go, I'm good. But I think that was because the mission had been accomplished, man. There's a, there's a demon inside of me that I'm hoping these meetings beat out of me. And by three years or so, I felt like he was gone. Now, we all know he wasn't, but I felt like he was gone and I no longer felt connected, you know? And so my whole thing is like, can we get people to hook up along something they want to build instead of something they want to get rid of? You know, if you were willing to teach me to play drums, I would come to you every Wednesday forever, you know? Sure. Or, or, you know, somebody, you know, wants, let's get some guys that want to skateboard together and let's skate, you know, or run or, or do art or wrestling. I've been seeing, I've been, we, we had this conversation a bit when we were in Baltimore and I've been seeing stuff like this pop up more and more around the country. I've got a, a group of, you brought up skateboarding. I got a group of guys that I'm homies with out in Los Angeles and they, and they, they literally, you know, they're part of a 12 step program, but they meet up. And like their meeting is at the skate park right? And they, and they skate together for an hour and they're all hanging out or whatever. And then it's like, uh, you know, if, if one guy is like, yo, I'm really not feeling like skating today. Like I really need to talk. There we go. Everyone's there and they're listening. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. uh, but if there's no problem in the skate, let's skate. Let's just right. That other, that other commonality, right? Because you also said this and it really resonated with me is the the only reason that we go to meetings isn't because we we well, I can't remember how you worded it, man. It was like we the only thing we have in common at these meetings is what the thing I'm trying to get rid of. The thing I'm trying to get rid of, right? But it's not the thing that I want. 
No, it's what I don't want. I know you and you're sitting across the table because there's a part of me I hate and there's a part of you you hate and they kind of look the same. Right. But why, right. Not, why can't we come together and enjoy the things we love? Right. Right. You know, what's the story? You know, two wolves are in there, whatever. Which one grows? The one that got fed. Yeah. Right. I want to feed the one I want to grow. I want to feed... I want to feed that that commonality that I, I love because years from now, you and I will be able to get together and talk about music. Yeah. Right? I don't want to get together with you in, in five years and, and hear your old war stories and tell you mine. Right? Exactly. Well, let I me hope. ask you. Let me ask you, though. So you said after about three years, you hit a little, little plateau and you're like, you know, maybe I don't need these as much anymore. Mm -hmm. what did you do um i i pulled back um i i went into my own thing for a while um and i realized that i was starting to get those old itchy owies and i was starting to feel those same things that i had felt before and what i realized is i wasn't giving anything to the world i was taking you know, and so now I go to meetings. Um, I don't go to meetings because I need to go to a meeting. I go to meetings to see if somebody you. else is there, right? Yeah. I go to a meeting to help the next guy. I go to a meeting because, you know, what if there's a guy that, that's sitting in the back of the room about to lose his mind and he gets to the meeting and everybody at the meeting is talking about dumb stuff, you know? My cat just won't seem to come home and I keep letting him out and then he won't come home. And, you know, my wife is gonna kill me because the cat won't come home. And meanwhile, there's a guy sitting over there ready to blow his brains out, you know? And so sometimes I'm the meeting police. I was yesterday, you know? My group, my, my home group, three months ago, some guy said, let's start a meeting on Sunday night. And I said, man, if you start a meeting first, you got to be ready to be there for six months. Second, Sunday night, Sunday night football, right? Come on, think about this. Well, we still want to do Sunday night. Well, they did it and it worked for a little bit, but now that's because only... yeah, you're in Chicago. Who gives a shit about the bears? I mean, you know, yeah, thanks. I appreciate you. <laughs> I see what you did there, you, man. This podcast will never air player. But anyway, <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is, so then they come in yesterday and, well, you know, we're thinking, you know, we only got a couple people these last couple of weeks. Maybe we ought to cut it out. Nope. Nope. You said you were going to be there, right? And, and, and somewhere there's a guy who may get bogus information that there's a meeting on a Sunday night and he needs that before he throws himself in the river. And he comes and he pulls on that door and it's locked and he throws himself in the river. It's your fault. Mm. it's how i feel right you know i said in that same room those guys were in for years where it was just two or three people and i'm the only one showing up but i made sure that door was open at the moment that we said it would be open i take i take this stuff serious bro you know but i also have fun with it but i do take it extremely serious if you say you're going to do it you got to do it, man, because somebody did it for us. So what I'm gathering from what you're saying is for about the first three years, it was about discovering who Gerald really is. It was about finding healthy solutions for Gerald that don't involve drugs and alcohol. 
So it funny, the name of my home group was Healthy Solutions. But it go was, ahead. It was about fixing Gerald, right? Yes. And then you're like, yo, Gerald's fucking chilling right now. Gerald, Gerald, I'm don't, fixed. Need, Gerald <laughs> don't need these meetings. But then it's not about Gerald anymore. Now it's about anybody else who felt like you did when you first came in those rooms as well. They need to hear those stories because for those first three years, you were hearing other gentlemen that are in that position you landed in three years later and they're sharing how much better their lives are today. Just as the guys that I met at my punk rock shows and they're, you know, five, six years into sobriety and they're chilling, you know, scamming people on the internet, whatever dumb South Florida shit was going on down here. <laughs> whatever they were doing, huh? Whatever they were doing, you know, they were happy. I don't care, man. But uh, they had something I wanted, which was happiness. Right. And then, right. So for me, I did the same thing. I came into the rooms and I gunned it hard. And I was like, you know what? I want to go out and I want to I want to do this uh, on tour like I used to. And I want to help all of those people. And I started really honing in on this discovery that drugs and alcohol were never my problem. I've always been my problem. Drugs and alcohol became a problem as a result later, as a byproduct later, right? Because you become, a, you, you, you form a dependency on them, but they weren't the actual problem. The problem was all the things I addressed at the very beginning of who is Jordan? Well, you know, Jordan is a byproduct of parents that got divorced when he was two and he lived in separate households and watched that growing up. I got diagnosed with, you know, uh, different forms of mental health disorders and put on medication that was probably not right for me at eight fucking years old. And then like had to re rediscover myself and chameleonize myself throughout my entire grade school years, because I didn't know who the heck I was to the right. point where, you know what, I didn't want to figure it out anymore. And the only thing that made me feel the way that I wanted to feel was drugs and alcohol numbing myself. Right. But I never worked on any of the backward stuff. I never worked backwards to work through all of that stuff I had experienced. In fact, I pushed it so far out of my brain that most of the time I couldn't even remember my childhood. And that happens a lot with trauma. But that's what I started discovering through my years of sobriety. And that's when I really became an advocate for people that suffer from substance use disorder. Now, let me, let me be the first to say no one's going to use heroin recreationally on the weekends, okay? Right. That is right. not a thing. If you're listening to this and you think, well, maybe I could use one day, it's not going to be heroin. It's not going to be crack. It's not going to be meth. It's not right. going to be any of those drugs. But you know what, man? I found myself getting to a place where over the last couple of years, I've had a couple of drinks. I've done so much work on myself, Gerald. I still consider myself an active member in recovery. I'm in recovery because I've, I have recovered and continue to on a daily basis, recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. But now I feel like I, I, I can have a drink. And, and, and if that's where you're at, then so be it, bro. I mean, you know, I, I profess to all paths to recovery. You know, we got this girl out on the, on the West coast claiming California sober, which I think, is absolute nonsense, man. She's got a guy, she's paying 200K a year to knock a drink out her hand when it gets bad, you know? But I can't tell you what your life is supposed to look like, you know? And so we look at like harm reduction programs where, you know, we're giving people needles or we're, 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 we're you know, giving them fentanyl testing kits. I mean, 
suboxone and, and MAT and all that arm reduction. So I can't judge, bro. I love you. There's no, exactly there's like no one are. size. There's no one size fits all to any of it. Right. I love you the way you are. That's why, I, you know, that's why we bonded. I yeah. wouldn't want you any other way, you yeah. know, but um, I also want you to know that if it ever gets bad, you know, that you got somebody you could come to. You know, I know, I know, I know a whole place, man. I know a right. lot of places, you know, right. I know, I you know, know. I, yeah, of you course. know, and that's, and you know, and I just went through that with a family member who had been sober for a while, very close family member. And, and, and she, you know, she told me, well, I'm drinking again. And I was like, okay, you know, and told her what I just told you, you know, where I'm at, if you need me. And she yeah. was like, wow, you know, my other family members like really jumped on me. You know, because of in their mind, she relapsed. You know what? I, 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 through the touring and the speaking in front of thousands of people and sharing my message and everything, I put myself on this pedestal. Like, I, I call the character Captain Recovery. Okay. I was right, right. Captain Recovery, right? And people expected me to be this guy forever that when I told certain people that, you know, like, I think I'm okay to, to have a drink and I'm going to, I'm going to try that out. Some people told me that, like, they, they told me that they felt like I just told them I died. Wow. You know? And that's like, that's the weight that it holds, you know, for, I was so scared to tell people after that. I was like, man, I'm like, uh, wow. I'm just trying to live my life. You know what I mean? So it, it is, sometimes it is hard. It is hard to know that. Isn't that, isn't that manipulation? Isn't that, isn't that somebody trying to guilt you? Isn't well, that somebody trying to tell you, like, I don't approve and you're really disappointing and letting me down. Yeah, that sucks, man. I'm sorry they did that to you. But it's but it's not. That's not me. That's not on me. You know what I mean? Right. Like okay, well, thank you. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a drink? Right. Yeah, I guess. Let me know when my funeral is. I don't know. That's all. Well, man, we're, we're running out of time. So I want to give you a few minutes to kind of talk about what ERP is and how it's helping people, so, you know? So backtracking a little bit after getting sober and, and finding, you know, that I, I really have a passion for wanting to help people find their journey through their mental health, right? Uh, I started working in the treatment industry and, and helping folks lead them to, uh, you know, different places around the country if, if they're looking for any kind of treatment or therapy. Um, through doing that, it was a it was a long process. I worked for many very amazing organizations, but it started getting to a point for me where I felt like I was kind of just guiding people to go to treatment to meet like a quota for work, you know. And it wasn't like for me, it was it wasn't the mission I set out to do. Uh, but then I, I came across ERP Health, which is uh, a, a unique software that integrates with treatment programs and provides very individualized care for every patient coming in through outcomes tracking. So like a patient coming into treatment will be handed a tablet to go through a list of assessment questions that go into a database that clinicians could look at. And then periodically, as more assessments are coming in, they can look at and track and see where a patient is emotionally, depression-wise, anxiety-wise, craving-wise, and then know where to push forward or pull back a little bit need be to individualized care for every single patient that's coming in. And when I found out about that, I was like, I need to get behind this and, and try to promote this for every treatment program because 
every treatment program is going to tell you that they're the next thing, greatest thing to God, you know, in, in treating people. But again, back to what I said, there's no one size fits all to anybody. So like, you know, the groups that you're doing may work for some, but they don't work for all. And if you could track and monitor that and see, maybe it's this demographic of people that work best in these types of settings, you know, or, or, you know, people trauma bonding over other experiences. Cause like I said, it's, it's mostly mental health that we're dealing with here. Find the right groups for them, find the right therapist for them, find the right route for that patient. So that way it's kind of just get through that one treatment and you've gotten the tools now that you need to move on. So we use ERP when, cause we do like a triage placement. And so we'll give somebody a assessment when we, first meet them. And then after like we take them to detox or we take them to treatment, we give it to them again. And, and we can see, you know, how, how their, their, their levels of anxiety, how their levels of self-harm, all those things are trending. We also use it in our uh, sober living homes to track morale of the person and of the house over time. And so I can look and I can see, you know, everybody was on the incline and then we let Jordan move into the house and everybody bottomed out, you know? And so what was it? What did Jordan do? You exactly. Know, and, you know, and, and, and what was, you know, what was the instant? But, um, you know, how can somebody, if they're interested, how can they get in touch with you and, and maybe get a demo of ERP or, or something? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give out my phone number. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, do that, man. You call me. The email address is Myers M-E-Y-E-R-S at erphealth.com it's spelled like this <laughs> they won't see and, uh, it, it, it guess what the, oh they won't see this they won't see that it's gonna be audio only oh it's they just audio your only. beautiful face oh man i i did my hair and everything <laughs> my hair's a mess <laughs> um if you want, you know, I'll just give you the info. They can put it in the link below or, you know, wh- I'll where do that. I'll put that. I'll put it in there. But, but yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to show anybody the product. I'd be happy to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me after this, you know? Right on, man. Well, well thanks for doing it. Thanks for doing yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I, I love this. I love just having conversations, you know? Absolutely. Well, there'll be many more to come, bro. There'll be many more to come. And hopefully we're going to get you up here in Illinois soon, so let's uh let's let's keep the let's keep the conversation going so uh recovery greenhouse is a product of salt valley voices of recovery and nrg media uh it is distributed through all your platforms share it like it tell people about it just don't steal it (laughs) all right um and uh please you know if, if you need help reach out somebody's out there uh always 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 so thanks jordan um thank you very much talk to you soon all right bye-bye